Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Well, Ecclesia, it's good to be with you again. And this is an exciting talk and sermon for me because I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. So I don't know how many of you have been able to get a haircut so far as things have begun to reopen ever so slightly, but I'm going to be looking so fresh when you see me on this live stream next week. Well, it's good to be with you and uh, just kind of going throughout the, the sequence of quarantine and going throughout the sequence of our days. I saw some funny thoughts this week. Now, whether you care about sports or not, I hope you can trace this line of thinking. But the Super Bowl MVP from the most recent Super Bowl, which seems like it was a decade ago, uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and their quarterback is a guy named Patrick Mahomes, and he signed a contract for over $500 million. And I saw a funny thought that basically suggested he could give away a million dollars to every single person in America and still have $200 million left over for himself. Now, can you imagine? Now, I also saw something else this week. In the New York Times, they reported how in the months of April and May, the first two full months of this pandemic, the, the level of poverty in America actually fell. And what one economist theorized was that be, was because of the stimulus checks that were sent to the majority of Americans. Now, this is kind of crazy, but to suggest that somewhere between $600 and $3,400 for maybe a larger family, that kind of money made such a significant difference in the margins of so many Americans that, that it actually caused the poverty level to fall. Now, take that to our, our uh, hypothetical Patrick Mahomes scenario, where Patrick Mahomes is not only the MVP of the Super Bowl, he's America's most valuable player, and he gives us all a million dollars. In our dream scenario, I have two questions for you. First of all, what's the first thing that you would buy? Somebody gives you a million dollars. What's the first thing that you would buy? Maybe tell somebody that you're watching the live stream with or put it in the chat here online. First thing you would buy. Now, the second thing, and this is a church, so we have to be much more altruistic with these incredible blessings, but who would you bless? What would you do with that kind of money? Same deal. Turn to a neighbor that you're watching with or uh, put it in the chat. What would you do? How would you use that kind of blessing? You see, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about blessing. We've been talking about the, the larger framework of God's blessing, how blessing is the fundamental posture of God towards our world, the fundamental posture of God towards each one of us. We've talked about God's blessings of rest and work, his blessings upon the poor, his blessings of children and what they have to teach all of us, both those of us who are parents and those of us who aren't. Last week, we talked about that which is anti-blessing, the curse. And, and last week, I focused on this specific idea of generational cursing. And in Romans 5, Paul picks up this idea that, that because of Adam's sin, because it introduced this brokenness into the world, uh, that that cycle has perpetuated itself. 
And Paul in Romans 5 makes the argument that though, though that curse has spiraled because of that moment and because we re-enter into the spiral and the cycle of the curse in every successive generation, how much more because of Jesus's blessing, his faithfulness, his life on the cross, how much more is blessing overcoming that which is cursed? And so this week, I simply want us to take this out of the, the realm of the conceptual, the realm of ideas into the realm of practice. What does it look like for us to be a people of blessing? What are the habits of blessing in our lives? And how do we become people who both receive God's blessing because that is his fundamental posture and in, in order to bless the wider world around us? Blessing is the investment of, of words, gifts, relationship that manifests itself in people, provision, presence, and praise. That's been our working definition, and we're fleshing this out each week as we look at these different angles and different ways that God has invited us into blessing. Now, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. So turn over there with me. Genesis 12 begins, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The fundamental charter of the people of God. You know, last week we looked at sort of the unraveling that takes place in Genesis. As God begins the world in blessing, but then the curse is introduced. God's response to that unraveling is, is a people, is a promise. And he goes to this man named Abram, who is childless, and he promises him children. He promises him that he will be with him, and he invites him into a life and a journey of faith. And God says to Abram, I will bless you. And, and the Lord says in the same breath, the same breath that he promises blessing to Abraham, that, that there is a purpose attached to this blessing. And as we've discussed from the very beginning, receiving God's blessings is not a way of hoarding up good things for ourselves and ignoring the problems of the wider world. You know, so often when we talk about blessings in church, people are, people are taught it in such a way that it seems rather self-centered. It seems like it's about having the best life for ourselves, but that's not the concept of blessing that we're presented with in the scriptures. What we see in Genesis 12 is that there is a purpose attached to blessing. In, in this very passage that we read, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, so that you will be a blessing. There's a purpose clause, a purpose defined. So that is the pivot point that we want to focus our attention upon today. And the question that we arrive at 
In this really peculiar moment in the history of this world, with the pandemic swirling, economic uncertainty, a protest movement demanding change to American structures that have been tilted against black people since the nation's founding, an upcoming national election, in what many observers have called the most polarized time in the history of this nation, and the internet and the way it weaves its way into all of these narratives, The question that we arrive at in this unique moment of history is what does it mean to be this kind of people? What does it mean for us to bless the world? You see, our blessings take the exact shape that God's blessings take towards us. The way that we bless the world is is, is just like the way that God uh, showers and and, and, uh, puts his blessings upon our lives. Remember, as we've said, blessing is the investment of words and gifts, relationship manifesting itself in people, provision, presence, and praise. And over the next three weeks, I want to look at these three categories, words, gifts, and relationship. As we seek to try to answer this question, how do we bless the world? During the life of Jesus, One of the first things that Jesus hears upon being baptized, and this is usually in the gospel stories, one of the first stories we get about Jesus. Jesus goes to John the Baptist and is baptized in the River Jordan. One of the first words that Jesus hears spoken over his life actually comes from heaven. The voice of God pronouncing blessing upon Jesus. He says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus lives his life from this blessing. And as he walked the streets of first century Palestine, as he encountered those who were interested in his ministry, as he encountered those who were suspicious of him, Jesus carries his father's blessing in every single space that he walks in. Now, I know for many of you, you were able to participate and to watch the cultural phenomenon that is Hamilton over the past week. I know for me, I was late to the party, but really enjoyed watching it with my family. And one of the themes that sticks out in Hamilton is essentially the question, whose blessing do you care about? Alexander Hamilton in the story is torn between seeking the blessing of colleagues and the masses, the faceless crowds, while being satisfied with the blessing that his wife and his child have bestowed upon him. He's torn between uh, being famous and being uh, famous in his own household. And it's interesting that Jesus faces almost this exact same dilemma. In Luke chapter 4, just after Jesus has heard this divine pronouncement, this divine blessing that Jesus is God's son with whom God is well pleased, Jesus is driven into the wilderness. And Satan tempts Jesus to curry favor with the masses, with the crowds, to receive the blessings and the adulation of the crowd, turning stones into bread. And we say this just about every week at Ecclesia. It's become uh, such a part of who we are as a people. But words create worlds. And how many of us can remember, can remember a time where a blessing was spoken over us? And conversely, how many of us 
And, and unfortunately, our memories latch on to these sorts of moments even uh, more tightly. How many of us can remember a moment where we longed for a blessing that we did not receive? Perhaps for some of us, our parents withheld blessing or, or were just unable to express the, their blessing, unable to, to unearth that interior part of them. Perhaps for others of us listening today, we long to hear the blessing of someone just saying, whether it be a friend or, or a potential spouse, that I love you and I'm with you until death do us part. Words create worlds. And they have to be. They are promises that have to be, as my dear friend Mark says, inhabited by actions and integrity. But we have to be a people who speak. This is fundamental to who we are. God speaks the world into existence. He speaks blessing over our lives. And he invites us to be a people who bless the world by speaking, proclaiming the reality of Jesus as Lord of all, proclaiming that Jesus gave his life for every single person and that his love is available to everybody. And there's three ways this week I want to invite you to think about this blessing of words. Uh, first, I want you to prayerfully consider how God might be calling you to speak blessing into someone close to you this week. With the added disruption of quarantine, it's probably going to uh, cause you to have to really go out of your way to reach out to them because you probably won't just run into them as you're living your life. But I want to invite you, consider how God might be putting somebody on your heart. Uh, somebody that you could speak a word of blessing into, how God might be calling you to invest your words, as we've been talking about, uh, this is a part of blessing, to invest your words like a seed that will reap a harvest in the life of another person. You could send a text, you could write an email, you could write a, a handwritten letter, pick up the phone, but, but Ecclesia, I want to challenge you this week, starting now, to be intentional. Look out for an opportunity. Pay attention to, to somebody. You're like, oh, I haven't thought of that person in a while. I wonder why that is. Or somebody that's just been a gift and a blessing to you and, and finding a unique way to say that to them. And I want to challenge you too, as you sort of have that person in mind, to pray for a specific blessing on their life. Don't make it this generic statement like kids used to sign in the backs of yearbooks like, hey, I don't know you that well, hags. Let's, let's have a great summer for those of you who are uninitiated in the art of the yearbook signature. Now, one great practice is to find a section of scripture. Uh, often the, the letters written to the churches are so beautiful for this because the author is trying to encourage those that he's writing to. Find a section of scripture to share it with someone and just say, hey, here's, here's why this made me think of you. You know, one of the gifts that we received upon the birth of our son, uh, our dear sister Sarah Wydell organized some people in the church and some friends of Courtney's uh, to just speak words of life and blessing over both Courtney and our new son Silas. And, and I've gotten a chance just to kind of slowly peruse through some of those words. And they're just so beautiful. And, and they're filled with so much life and potential, such a meaningful gift. So I want to invite you just to, just to consider how you might take the small step of being a blessing to somebody else this week. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews writes, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider 
how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love this passage in Hebrews 10, because Hebrews 10 describes a moment in tension. It describes a moment of endurance and perseverance. The writer of Hebrews is saying, now is such a time where you need to dig in. You need to be a people who are for one another. And and as we as a church are in this moment where it just seems so easy to disengage, I just want to encourage you to like for those of you a part of Ecclesia communities, if you're feeling that malaise of the Zoom calls every week, get on the Zoom call. It's part of our response to Jesus. But as we're talking about blessing with words, I love this phrase that's in Hebrews 10. It just says provoke one another. Like provoking has this uh, this antagonistic connotation, right? But, but the writer of Hebrews says, provoke one another to love and to good deeds. We as the people of God are supposed to live in such a way that it actually incites love and encouragement among us. And so I want to just invite you, take this step, pray about a specific person, and then take the extra step to reach out to them, to speak life over them. Now, the second habit I want to invite you to uh, just consider this week is the habit of daily blessing with words. Do you have a rhythm of blessing people that are in your life daily? How would it change our friendships, our marriages, our lives as sons and daughters, our lives as parents, if we routinely said to those in our lives, hey, I'm grateful for you. You are a gift. Friends, this is simple, it's profound. But how often are people left wallowing in their own self-doubt about their own self-worth? What if we, as the people of Jesus, put voice to the way that God actually feels about each and every person? And what if we started with those who are closest to us? What if we made it a habit in our homes, our relationships, our residence halls, our workplaces to be a people of blessing? For many traditional Jewish families, Friday night marks the, still marks the beginning of Shabbat or Sh- a Sabbath. And in those settings, family and friends will, will sit down to a meal. And the parents will intentionally put their hands on their children and will speak and pronounce words of blessing over their kids. In Ecclesia, we can be this kind of people of overt and intentional blessing because we have received the unqualified and abundant and extravagant favor of God. His blessing has been poured out upon us so that, as as God says to Abram, we will be a blessing to the world. Now, here's what I know. I know for some of us, words come out of our mouth with with little thought, with little uh, regard. And, and we can speak, we can spin sentences, and it doesn't take much effort on our part. And I know for others of us, unveiling the interior, putting these things into words can be actually quite difficult. So I, I want to challenge you, if, if that's you, if, if speaking to people and, and, and being vulnerable in that way is difficult for you, I want to challenge you to find the ways that are less taxing for you, whether that's writing notes, whether that's that's doing things that just have that weight of blessing attached to them. But I, I also do not want to let you off the hook 
there is a power to spoken blessings. And I think specifically, if you're the kind of person who, who that kind of uh, speak, speech does not come natural, I think there's even more weight and power attached to it. I want to challenge you just to, to take the step to be vulnerable, be courageous, and to put those, those words that you're thinking in your heart, put them into actual words and actual speech. And I also uh, want to challenge you, all of us, to overcome our fear of rejection for, for being misunderstood or for kind of going against the flow. You know, there's a, there's a, w- a way that the world kind of goes and it, it kind of veers towards the cynical, it kind of veers towards the, the casual. When we're intentional people of blessing, it's actually kind of jarring. When you're looking somebody in the eyes, you're saying, this is who you are. This is, uh, this is something I hope for your life. It's, it's such a different cadence than our normal conversation. But we as the people of God, as Hebrews 10 invites us to, we're to be people who, who provoke one another to love and good deeds. And that provoking has this kind of friction attached to it. And I want to just encourage you, embrace the friction, go against the flow, be a people of blessing. And lastly, I want us to consider how we use our words towards the people that will never hear us speak them. G.K. Chesterton once described St. Francis of Assisi as one who walked the world as the pardon of God. And part of our call as the people of King Jesus is to live as a priesthood. First Peter, echoing the words that were given to the people of God in Exodus, says, You are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that, kind of sounds like the so that given to Abram, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Part of the function of the priesthood is to offer prayers and petitions on behalf of the wider world. Look what it says in Hebrews 5 verse 7. This is talking about Jesus. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Ecclesia, we are to be a people who in following the lead of our great high priest offer our words, our prayers, our supplications on behalf of our neighbors, on behalf of our cities, and even more, just as blessing is God's fundamental posture towards the world, what if we actively sought to engage our minds to bless the world as we went throughout our day? Now, often when I'm walking around my neighborhood, I I will pray, Lord, bless these people. But, but that mindset didn't just come naturally to me. I had to be awakened to the beauty of the place that I live. I had to, to be present in, in the actual moment that I'm living in. You see, for me, I love to listen to podcasts, love to listen to music when I'm walking around. And, and so much of that is, is fine. But often it's a way of disengaging the reality that you're in. So much of, of being a people of blessing is about being a people of presence. And what I've found, and I don't know if you're like me, but but if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not really uh, actively engaging my thoughts, then I just kind of operate. Uh, my default is just to sort of evaluate people, just kind of either, oh, that person's interesting to me, or, oh, why is that person acting that way? My default mode is actually kind of a, a means of judgment. 
Uh, I, w- I would look at people I would never meet and never know their names and offer not blessing, but sort of my snap evaluation of them, their behaviors, uh, with the things that they were doing. But what if, what if we as the people of Jesus actively and intentionally oriented our lives towards blessing with our thoughts? What if we walk the world as the pardon of God? What seeds of blessing might be sown? What life might be brought forth just because somebody happened to share a space with us? You see, Jesus' life, if you read the Gospels, contains some really intense interactions uh, between his closest disciples, some, some real moments where, where there's a protracted dialogue, where there's this intense building of story, but also... Jesus' life, because it was so much like ours, contains these very quick interactions. The, these, these intersections of two stories that will never, uh, you know, it, for, for Jesus' earthly life won't intersect again. We have a good example of this in Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, it says in verse 1, Great crowds followed him, and there was a leper who came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him and saying, I do choose, be made clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. This is such a brief encounter. Just a few words exchanged here and yet it changes the, the direction of this man's life forever, one simple life-changing interaction. And we don't know if this leper ever saw Jesus again, but what we do know is that he was blessed in an instant by the touch of Jesus and three simple words. Jesus lived his life from blessing so that in fulfillment to the promise that was offered to Abraham way back in Genesis 12, he would bless all the nations of the world. And the fountain of that blessing for Jesus is his very life shared with us. It are his very words, his gifts, where his word of blessing is embodied in the giving of his very body for the life of the world. On the cross, Jesus embodies this blessing most fully. He is taunted with words of cursing, with words of mockery. He saved others, and yet he cannot save himself. If you are really the Son of God, they yelled at Jesus, come down from that cross. They called him blasphemer. They called him traitor. They called him failure. But Jesus knows. He knows that blessing overcomes every curse. And he offers not the return fire of more curses. You see, curses reproduce curses, but blessing overcomes them all. He says, forgive them, Father. They do not know what they are doing. He quotes the scriptures. He embraces becoming a curse for us so that he might bless the entire world. Cursing kills, but blessing kills brings life, life out of death, out of hopelessness, out of despair. If you've been carrying around words of cursing, either spoken by others or spoken by that voice in your head, hear the words that Jesus not only speaks, but he lives, that his body and his blood were broken for you, that his life overcomes every curse, that his direction towards us is blessing upon blessing. His words invite us to the reality of who we are. And blessing fundamentally 
is about inviting us home, inviting us to newness and renewal. He tells us who we are, that we are his daughters and sons, that his love is so strong that nothing, not height, not depth, not angels, not demons, nor life, nor death could ever separate us. Receive, Ecclesia, his words of blessing so that you might be a blessing to the world. Let us pray. Jesus, we are blessed, God, blessed to to be invited into your life that was given for all the world. Lord, help us to be a people of blessing. God, in, in, in this moment of profound uncertainty, God, in this moment of just complete uh, difference and, and just disruption, God, would you help us to be a consistent and non-anxious presence of blessing? And Jesus, as we talked this week specifically, help us to be a people who bless with our words. God, who bless with our words of, of encouragement, who bless with our words of life and promise and hope. But most of all, as Peter invites us to, to be people who proclaim the acts of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God, that we would bless the world with the proclamation that you are king. God, that your life that was given on a cross 2,000 years ago means life for all the world. God, that we are no longer mired in cycles of brokenness of cycles of systemic cursing, God, but we are people who receive the blessing, the blessing that overcomes every curse. God, would you help your words to be the loudest voice in our lives? God, would you help your approval, your blessing to be the one that we seek, Jesus? And God, would you help us to be people who don't just seek blessing for ourselves, but seek blessing so that we might be a blessing to all those who encounter us. Lord, we thank you, not only that we receive blessing for ourselves, but that you invite us into a story and a mission of blessing so that we might bless the world. Help us to walk the world as the pardon of God, as we receive your pardon today. It's in your name we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.